Hello and welcome to the Women in Safety podcast, a place of conversations to empower and inspire you to transform your career. I'm your host, Alana Ball, and we're here today to cut through some of the BS of health and safety. I want to be real, authentic, and most of all, think critically about what we learn, what we hear, and how we experience things in our journey. I want you to take this time for yourself. Reconnect with your passion, reconnect with your career, and join us as we grow together. So settle in and see where this episode transforms you. Welcome back to another Topic Tuesday. I feel like we need a theme tune. I'll write a note to myself. We should have a theme tune, Chandra. Welcome back. Topic Tuesday. It's a random thought for your Tuesday. How are you? I'm good, but I'm really hoping that you're not suggesting you and I built out <laughs> ballad to, to accomplish this because I'm not paying. Why not? <laughs> oh, look, let, let me ponder it and uh, I'll get back to you shortly. I'll send you some lyrics by the end of the day. No worries. <laughs> well, we are here today. We have an article. It was released by Forbes and it is all about, uh, I guess, the levers that form or influence organisational culture. and. I wanted to discuss the article, I guess, with the lens of the levers that they talk about. They talk about these eight levers that influence organisational culture. And are they any different, really, to how we should influence a safety culture? And are they one and the same? Uh, So do you want to start with that lens in mind? Yeah, look, um, you'll obviously include this in the, the comments for people to, to review as usual. Um, this particular article, I think, um, it, there's there's a lot of pros and cons as, as usual. One of the things that attracts me to, um, to this article from a safety perspective is the interesting notion around um, having a tolerance for imperfection um, in direction setting. Um, now, this article is written in the area of organisational culture and leadership, but when we then overlay that to safety, um, it's interesting for us to discuss the tolerance for imperfection when it comes to, you know, WHS. Um, so I think that's an interesting note for us to, to consider at some point during this podcast. But look, overall, I think there's there's eight levers here that, um, that aren't rocket science. Um, mm. They are Good reminders for, for each of us in terms of what helps direct a group of people in the right direction, whether that be from a values perspective or safety. Um, the one key note that I wanted to make, though, this is written very much. It's a leadership-heavy article, um, and I really want to, from the outset, note that, in my mind, effective safety performance um, has to place equal weight on followership, um, and this article neglects that that conversation. Um, it talks very much about the leader should do this, the leader should do that, and this is how the followers will react. Um, but we've got to remember that followers have a lot more power than that. It's not We're just not living in the 1960s where people just do what they're told. Um, so I think we just need to remember that this article is very top-down, um, but there is a, a counter-argument about what can be done from the floor. Yeah, and I would agree, and I think that really does reflect, you know, it's a Forbes article, it's not scientific research, it's it's an opinion piece, I guess, around, uh, and I think it talks about it in there somewhere about 
the challenges executives face when leading organisations. So it's bound to have that. And, you know, the first, I think, line says 46% of business leaders say that culture drives employee productivity, engagement and retention. And I think that in itself is is an interesting stat that, you know, less than 50% is saying that's what drives company culture. And I think when we think about safety, we can often get so wrapped up in well, what does the safety culture look like? Is it truly the thing that's going to drive productivity, engagement and retention? Uh, so I thought it was interesting. I will just quickly list out what those eight levers were because I think for our listeners to just have that up front and then, you know, we'll start to pick some of those apart and, and no doubt not our heads at some. But the eight levers that the Forbes article references was around how leaders set direction and that was around establishing goals and things like that how you achieve and reward results, how you lead, again, taking Chandra's point around, it really is around the leadership part, how you form relationships and networks, how you communicate, how you compete, how you learn and how you change. Now, I think if you are in a leadership role, let's take the cultural piece off and just say, I think it's, they're really good tips on, you know, being a leader, uh, but let's think about it from that safety lens and, I think let's let's talk initially about how leaders set direction in health and safety because I think we often get so wrapped up in not thinking about where we're going. We think about, and again, you go LTIs, lead lag indicators, all those kind of things. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that there is a, a very easy transition for us to to sort of, look at this and, and apply it to the analysis of, of safety performance and, and the stats that come with that. Um, for, for me, though, there's there's two levers in there that, that I think are uh, more relevant to safety than others, and that's completely, you know, my opinion, that's very arguable. But uh, I, I like the idea of lever four that talks about how you form networks mm. uh, whether or not you create a, a competitive or a mutually supportive environment, I think that lever is perhaps one of our most important ones to consider in the in the safety field. Um, you know, are we competing to climb to the top of Mount Everest as individuals, or is it the idea that if one lags behind, then it's a fail? Um, you know, how do we see safety in the business? Do we see that, you know, someone's excellent in safety and uh, that's more important than the, the performance of the team or the performance of a contractor or the performance of the overall project? Um, I, I like this idea of for us to sit back and look at our organisations and look at our leadership and say, how do we create competitive environments versus mutually supportive environments? So I like that that one lever. Um, and the other one that, that I'm attracted to is lever seven around how you learn. Um, and, you know, again, I lo like this idea of looking at um, the organisation and, and how, you know, how innovative we can be and how much we can encourage people to potentially look outside the box. So um, those two for me um, have real connection with the health and safety space um, and can really be used in incident investigation to identify, look, what's happening here that's caused this situation or is encouraging poor or excellent performance? Yeah, and I would say they're probably, um, that they certainly, you know, how you form relationships and networks. Of course, that's my like ultimate number one lever because I'm a huge believer in 
you know, I think health and safety professionals can get very wrapped up in where health and safety and, and, you know, I'm here to deliver my function as opposed to I am, say, an employee in a business uh, that helps deliver uh, the organisational objectives by delivering this piece of work. So I think even the language that we use when we talk about those kind of things and, you know, I'm very big on we need to be collaborative with different parts of the organisation because I think, you know, long-term we want to get to a point that safety is embedded and, you know, every bit of safety science says let's get to the point that it's embedded and we don't have these standalone kind of safety roles Uh we, we will only do that if we've got great collaboration, if we've got, you know, that ability to really have those strong networks and that, those relationships. But the other one that really um, stands out for me is how you change because I think as professionals, you know, and, and you only have to look at the last couple of years, I think it's so important for us to reflect on do we get stuck in our ways do we, you know, and you and I have spoken about bias before. Is is it coming from our opinions on a contractor, on a task, on a process, on how we inspect a different workplace? Is it coming with bias and are we adaptable to what's going on? Are we actually going with that open view to really, um, again, it forms back to that form relationships and networks. I think, yeah, I think we've got to be more open to change and more adaptable in our roles. I love that you, you've commented on that um, that lever eight and uh, and I think your points are very valid there because, you know, if you look at the, the words that are underneath that, that lever eight, um, there's some really great points there around achieving incremental change. And I think for our listeners, for, for you to ask the question or for all of us to ask the question, you know, how do we achieve in, in 2022, 2023, how do we achieve incremental change in ownership? Um, that's a great, you know, safety topic for us to open any meeting with. And and, and I like the comments that you made about, um, you know, safety for, for, for me is, is one component of operational excellence and we can do away with the title of you and I being WHS leaders or women in safety and, and say we're, we're women in operational excellence um, and that's what driving for to be able to get rid of this persona that we're just stuck in one corner of the business doing one discrete piece of monitoring I mean that's not at all what what it is and I think for us to be able to evolve and get to the point where we are really selling the idea of organizational excellence um, and and you know safety and and getting people home safe is one component of that mm-hmm. and is highly highly connected to every other component of the business um, it really does help us sit back and go okay um, we're one component of operational excellence so how do we achieve incremental change in operational excellence or in levels of ownership or in in levels of safety innovation last year and and for us to to use that as the opening of our next board meeting or our next group meeting and see what comes of that. Mm. And I think it also links then, you know, your comments um, with um, operational excellence really uh, leans me to the lever six, which is around how you compete. And I know the article is talking about, you know, market share and from an organisational perspective, but I really want us to reflect on it from the sense of, you know, it's saying 
what drives organisations' energy and resources to be directed to. And I think, you know, you only have to jump into any safety conversation with safety professionals to say, oh, you know, there's never enough budget for safety, there's never enough this. And it's like, have we truly made a compelling argument uh, around how we help operational excellence, not safety, you know, that that we're there to, to support and I think different parts of the organisation really show their competitive lens for budget and resources, energy. And I think when we think about how we're showing up in the safety sense is not, I don't like the word compete by any means, but it's just, are we truly putting our best foot forward when we talk about what we're here to deliver? You know, we I think we get so stuck on, as you said, pigeonholed into this label of, you know, oh, we're, we're only looking at this bit of data or we only look at this piece of work. I think how we compete from a sh showcasing that operational excellence piece is going to be really important for future-proofing safety. Absolutely. And, and what I love about your comments then is it now throws us into lever three um, because <laughs> as I'm listening to what you're talking about, um, what comes to mind for me is this notion that historically we have tried through policies and regulations, we have tried to adopt this idea that you can have homogenous policies or you can create consistency or you can create like-mindedness in the field that we specialise in. Um, and the reality is you and I know and our listeners know no two circumstances, no two days, no two teams are ever alike. Um, there is never going to be consistency in safety now that's going to create lots of debate and that's fine but there's never going to be um vanilla policies or, or vanilla outcomes because every single thing is open to interpretation is open to a different you know different level of fatigue or a different you know team environment or a different leadership style on any one day um, and so I think when we look at lever three and with what you're saying around operational excellence, I mean, one of the, the barriers is that we have showed up to the boardroom table in the past saying, here's the rules, you've got to stay inside of this line and, and you know, engineers, um, operational managers, you've got to stay, here's the rules. Um, mm -hmm. And we get them to stay on this railway track idea of this is how it has to be done. And I think all of those people that we've been trying to influence have struggled with that because in the execution space, it's been near impossible um, to be able to give us what we want. Um, and that shows you where we're pulling in different directions. So that lever three about how you lead and with your comments just a moment ago, I think we need to really focus on this idea of nimble adaptation, the idea of imperfection, looking at how tolerant we are to change, looking at the idea of you know, incorporating ambiguity in our operational excellence and our safety mantra. Um, we are never going to be able to get people to fit inside of our box. And I think that we have been rejected in many cases from the boardroom table and funds have been taken away from our profession because the people trying to live up to our expectation that they'll fit inside the policy can't. So I think if we want to be seen as operational excellence leaders, we've got to be able to show that we are nimble, that we respect that there's ambiguity, we respect that the game changes on any one day, and we've got to be able to cope with that. 
that in itself is extremely difficult for any executive, not just an executive in our space. Um, so certainly don't have any answers in terms of how to make everyone perfect in that field, but I think it is something that's really important in this podcast for us to think about when we move from being safety professionals to operational excellence professionals, how do we cope with ambiguity? How do we create policies that are broad enough to cope with innovation, ambiguity, subtle changes, cultural, you know, shifts? How do we how do we do that? We allow people to colour outside the lines, Chandra. Wow. Okay. Love that answer. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with well, I think, but I think that's it, right? Is that we, as safety professionals, we're saying you have to colour inside the lines, that you follow this SOP and or SWP, whatever it is, that whatever bloody document people use, and we tell them colour in the lines and you'll stay safe. Yet, I don't know about you, but every like I, I colour in with my toddlers and every now and then even I slip outside the lines and it's going, well, but I didn't account for colouring outside the lines. Am I going to start the entire thing again? No. I go, that's okay. Um, so, oh, look, I just I just made entire safety thing down to colouring inside the lines. Good. Um, I quickly want to touch on um, lever two because I know it's something that you can get quite passionate about is around, and I'm, I'm going to twist it a little bit here, is how you achieve and reward results. The key thing being around results. Now, I know you and I have had a number of conversations around how we capture data, how we present data, the stories that come with that data. And I think that's the conversation that I'd like to go down is, you know, it's the article is talking about how we share results and that we can create this culture of, I guess, you know, success when we talk about the results and they're open and we're transparent with how we're performing and things like that. But I think, um, yeah, I want to go down the how we track that and celebrate the results tending from this kind of safety to operational excellence. You know, every board report looks different. We're always looking at different ways to present it. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, look, I think it's a decision for any organisation. What what emphasis do they place on um, holistic success mm. versus individual success? And, and when we go down the, you know, the LTI um, and those somewhat archaic um, measures, we start to identify identify the you know the individuals and and you know you and I've spoken in the past that we can via those metrics create a fear culture of I don't want to be the person who's the LTI on the billboard report and I've heard you know many times that the people in the field have always been frightened of being that stat that shows up on the board report but I think we've got to be a bit more aware of of whether or not progress is achieved through an improvement in, in stats or an improvement in mindset um, and, you know, the difficulty here is I'm drawing an analogy between a, a definable metric and I'm saying we need to move into a grey space and people in our profession don't like that. You know, the regulators don't like that. Um, but it is, it, is, it is the truth. I mean, you know, we can have um, an LTI as simple and I've seen been involved in an investigation where someone has cut themselves in the lunchroom with a butter knife. And it has shown up as the LTI that broke the 455-day record. Um, and it, it's 
you know, one of those things that really damaged culture because that individual was talked about at every meeting and everyone made jokes about it and it became the company legacy. And it somewhat overshadowed the, the multi-steps that the organisation had taken towards thinking better and more collaborative um, working together and, and being able to innovate regarding, you know, safety and operational excellence. So I think it is, it is really important to understand that somewhat um, we are driven by regulations, by incident investigations, by how we've behaved in the past to make everything a metric number. Um, this is the figure, this is what we put in board reports, this is how we define how well we are doing. And that comes at a cost. It comes at a cultural cost of what are all the other incremental changes in mindset, incremental changes in safety and innovation, incremental changes in our improvement at the boardroom table and our ability to express how we, you know, deliver on more than just safety um, can be lost by focusing on those metrics, but we've done it to ourselves. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to find an article purely on that topic just to watch you go. The fiery <laughs> redhead comes out at you and you just, it's just your passion and I, I couldn't help but go there because I think it, it's something that, you know, I, I agree with so wholeheartedly and, um, yeah, I think it's just an interesting one. Now, the article talks around you know, organisational culture, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I guess organisational culture is often misunderstood and oversimplified is kind of what they're getting at. I guess closing remarks, what are your thoughts on whether it be safety culture, organisational culture around that misunderstanding and the oversimplification of it? Yeah, look, uh, there is... The introductory part of this article does touch on the fact that in the past we've looked at, you know, mission statements and values on a wall and site mm. wide rollout of a new company um, safety mantra and, and it pokes a bit of fun at those behaviours and, and I will too. Um, that doesn't at all lead to improvements in, in safety. I think we've got to go back to the, the, the very, very basic intrinsic idea of do I outsource my future and my success to you or do I hang on to that myself? And I think in many ways we're encouraged when we enter the employment relationship to outsource it to our leaders, to outsource it to other professionals. We get caught up in titles. We get caught up in the size of a company. But if we can encourage our individuals to hang on to the notion that success is within, um, there's a whole other podcast on this because I think that's where company culture lives. If you are living in an organisation where people believe that their destiny is theirs, um, you know, by nature we're going to get better safety, safety outcomes. It's not going to be influenced by fancy icons on a wall. Um, and so I think, you know, when we think about operational excellence, in the pursuit of operational excellence, in the pursuit of better safety, the question has to be asked, do we encourage people to believe that their future is theirs or do we get them to sign an employment contract and start to tell them that it lives with someone else? And that's all I've got to say. Well, mic drop, I'll just stop recording and we'll we'll put, <laughs> put, we'll put that on a billboard and we'll send it out to everyone as their Christmas card uh, because <laughs> how poetic of you for this Tuesday afternoon uh, for a topic Tuesday. Um, 
Look, we will drop the article in the show notes. I would love for uh, if you're listening along to go and have a read of it and, and let us know what you think. Uh, and yeah, let us know if these levers are something that you're looking at to influence. I think it's interesting that they're like, oh, it's oversimplified, but hey, here's just eight steps or eight levers for you. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, it's not that simple either. But <laughs> But look. Uh, interesting article, drives some interesting conversations. So, Chandra, thank you. We will be back for another Topic Tuesday and we'll continue to have more fun. Maybe next time we'll have our song for you. Well, I think you've already defined the song. The song's called Pulling the Eight Levers. So there you go. We'll be, we'll be back to you next time with a song. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely writing the words now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. No worries. Wow, what an episode. If you loved today's episode just as much as I did, we'd love to hear your feedback or even better, share it with your friends, your colleagues and other safety sisters or safety misters so they too feel empowered and inspired. We will catch you for another conversation next time and we hope in the meantime you start implementing some things to transform your career.